On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. We want to have a lot more businesses start, but we also want to make sure they're successful as well. We've told you about businesses that have directly benefited from the counsel and advice of the Small Business Development Center. Now, hear directly from the group. More and more businesses are requiring employees to get a COVID shot, but can they legally do that? And in our business profile, meet a current day version of a business some of us remember from our youth. This is the Iowa Business Report for the second weekend of August, 2021. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. Let's say you have an idea for a new business, or perhaps you want to expand your current business. You need advice, but you're not sure where to turn or you're afraid you can't afford it. That's where the Small Business Development Center comes in, offering free services in a variety of locations statewide. Lisa Shimcat is State Director for America's SBDC Iowa. But we are the Small Business Development Centers. There are 15 centers across the state. 11 of them are hosted by community college partners. Four of them are located with the regions, with Iowa State hosting two of them. But what we do is we help both new and existing businesses or entrepreneurs looking to dip their toe into their venture, figure out what the risks are. Our intent is to hopefully minimize some of the risk and then also create additional value within their existing businesses. That's what we do. Now, what does that look like every day? I don't know. It is different every day. You could have somebody that has a high-tech egg-related product, somebody else that is starting a quilt shop. So we have everything from Main Street to high-tech. One of the challenges that we have too is we are funded with tax dollars. So we receive funding from both the state of Iowa, Iowa State University, and the Small Business Administration out in Washington, D.C. As I mentioned before, we have all these host institutions. They also put money in because not one organization can do this. Not one organization can really help move the needle when it comes to business development. But having these partnerships and really working together is where, as you've said, we found those synergies and we are able to move the needle then because what we don't have in a certain resource, one of our partners may have. And it goes beyond that. We also have extension that we utilize a lot of their field specialists. We have a lot of associations out there that we work hand in hand with, but But a lot of it is just telling people, here's what we do. How can we help you? Let's say someone's listening and they either have been thinking about a new idea or expanding their current idea. What steps do they go through to get some benefit from these services? Let's start first with somebody with a new idea. You have this idea. You aren't sure. Is it going to work or not? Well, number one, your first thing should be to reach out to the small business development centers. (laughs) Our services are completely free, so we definitely fit in every budget. Now, when you reach out, what are some things that can make your appointment a little bit more productive? Have a clear vision of what your idea is. Now, you may not know how to take it to market, but what do you want to do? We've had people come to us too, and I remember my example I use a lot, somebody selling shoes. If I sell shoes, everybody wears shoes. But guess what? That doesn't mean everybody's my market. So the first thing that we do with somebody who is a new venture 
is start looking in, digging into who is your market? Who truly is your market? Beyond family and friends, who else will buy your product? Then we start looking at what's it gonna take to get started? Is it something you can do out of the home? Is it something that you need to actually have a storefront? And we kind of put all those numbers together because if you're going to go after some funding, you got to have money. You have to have some skin in the game. When they talk about the money side, let's say somebody is going to open up a storefront, 20% down minimum. If you're looking at starting a restaurant, 40% down. Now, sweat equity doesn't count when we're going to the lender. So keep that in mind. It may not be today that you open that business, but hopefully we can help minimize the risk to potentially make you more successful when you do open that business down the road. Now, somebody who wants to expand, we do many of the same things. You still look at market. What we learned through COVID, a lot of the businesses coming in, they needed to find customers somewhere else. Whether you are a retailer and you needed to look at being online, how do I get to that customer? Because when I market to somebody in my local town, that's a lot different than marketing to somebody on a website. The other thing is we're looking to expand. Let's look at the financial health of the business right now. Where are you at? Where are you sitting on your money? What about your cash flow? Where are the payments coming in? If you're looking at doing business with the government and, and it's a 90-day pay, do you have sufficient cash flow to manage that and continue growing the business? So those are probably just a snapshot of a few things that we could start going over. The last thing I want to throw out there is we do work a lot with financial analysis and digging into the numbers to see what are the numbers telling us. But remember, they only tell one part of the story. Now, while every lender out there wants to know those numbers, they still want to know, do you understand your business? So you need to know your business inside and out, even as it changes through the disrupted supply chains, the changes in the government programs out there. There's a lot of things that as a business owner, it's hard to stay on top of. That's why reaching out to us or one of our shops across the state is a really good idea to help get some of those answers for a business owner. Have you found an increase in people saying they wanted to start a business in the aftermath of COVID? And I say that, Lisa, because we've heard anecdotally people wanting to do something different now that they've lived through that. Maybe their old job doesn't have the same appeal it used to. Maybe it's not even there. Or they've been sitting at home and so ideas come about. Have you found that this is a good period for incubation of new ideas? It really is. And we are seeing record numbers of people starting that venture. They may start it on a smaller scale because of many different reasons. Some of the reasons that some of the folks have told us was as they were remote working, all of a sudden they realized I could still work my 10 hour days, but in the evening, I kind of had this hobby on the side. Or now that they're starting to transition back and maybe they've paid down some of their personal debt, so they're in a different position in their life. And COVID really did put, or the pandemic did put some things into perspective for all of us, I believe. And for a lot of folks, it was, you know what? I've talked about this. Now I'm going to do it. And so that's what we're really seeing is a lot of people saying, you know what? I'm ready. I was not ready 18 months ago, but today I am ready. What do I need to do first? So we are seeing a record number of people starting, but we're also seeing a lot of those folks thought about it a lot more. They dug into it a little bit more. So they went in eyes wide open. 
Hopefully then with assistance from us and other resource partners across the state, whether it's Women's Business Center, SCORE, or uh, your local economic developers, they're more educated on what the risks are. So hopefully they can minimize them because we want to have a lot more businesses start, but we also want to make sure they're successful as well. So you have a record number of people coming to talk to you, but they're better prepared than their predecessors. Absolutely. Absolutely. One thing that we've really found too is you may have somebody, you know, in the past come in and say, you know, I've tossed around this idea. I'm tired of working for somebody else. I'm just going to start it. Okay. How much do you need? Oh, I need a hundred thousand. The first thing we ask, why? Why do you need a hundred thousand? How did you come up with that number? And if you hesitate in your answer, then you haven't thought about it enough. And so it's digging in and pulling that down. We really have seen a lot more people coming in. You know what? I went to a website, uh, your website or another website, and I found I need to start a business plan. How do I do that? I have quotes already for new construction. I have quotes for my equipment. It is amazing how once we kind of had to be a little bit more self-sufficient on how we were going to get even supplies to our homes, People really started trusting the internet more. They started reaching out more and asking more questions. It's a great time right now to be an entrepreneur. And yes, there's still risk out there. There's always going to be risk. We're never going to be able to take it all away. But hopefully, working together, we can all minimize it. Lisa Shimcat is State Director for America's SBDC Iowa. We connected by Zoom on July 19th. For more on the Small Business Development Center, go online to iowasbdc.org. Still to come, how legal is a jab mandate? And in our business profile, a business designed to attract competitive gamers. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by the Iowa Waste Reduction Center, hosting a series of meetings as part of the Regional Partnership for Food Waste Solutions Program. The next ones are Tuesday, August 17 in Prairie du Chien and Thursday, August 19 in Charles City. For more, go to iwrc.uni.edu. Support for the Iowa Business Report also comes from Iowa History Journal. The current July-August issue features a cover story on legendary baseball pitcher Dazzy Vance. Get your copy of Iowa's only popular magazine devoted exclusively to its fascinating history at Fairway, IV, and at iowahistoryjournal.com. The widespread availability of a vaccine to ward off or limit the effects of COVID-19 has been seen as a key to getting business and life back to normal. But the full adult vaccination rate in Iowa is below 50 percent. So many businesses are considering requiring their employees to get the shot. I asked attorney and national news analyst Dr. Wendy Patrick if that's legal. The latest remains a qualified yes, but the circumstances change a little bit every time we get one of these new scientific news reports about something new that we've learned (laughs) about the the coronavirus. Now, it does depend on where you work, because obviously if you're a remote virtual worker and any employer would be hard-pressed, to mandate that you uh, get vaccinated. And that would have been true even pre-pandemic. You had people that never stepped foot in a physical office. 
But for the rest of employees that interact with each other and with the public, employers can mandate this even though you do still have the emergency use authorization only, although I guess we're supposed to see changes even there next month. But, Jeff, here's the important thing about this analysis. There's nothing about a vaccine mandate that means employees lose the right to claim an exemption, either medical or religious, and employers honor those. And sometimes they have these workarounds. Well, if you're not vaccinated, you have to wear a mask. You have to test once every two weeks or some are saying once a week. But there's lots of different ways employers can work with you if you're not vaccinated. Jeff, I think the biggest part of this conversation right now is what about those employees that aren't interested in claiming an exemption but are just skeptical of this new vaccine? To your point, if you're a worker, you're just skeptical, you want to see how things play out, that's going to be a real tough one that obviously is going to lead to litigation, I presume, because we don't have solid precedent, do we? No, and there's already litigation around these issues, but a medical exemption is really construed quite broadly. You do have people that say, hey, the, you know, I have a right to refuse, it's a liberty issue. But for many people that worry about their health, they think they're going to have to prove they have some major medical complication. They don't. It's between they and their doctor to decide whether or not under their unique circumstances it would be better not to be vaccinated. So it's a conversation worth having for anybody that's worried about uh, this for any kind of a medical reason. But I also have to say, as a practical matter, Jeff, employers are being very reasonable. They don't want to lose good employees, and they certainly don't want to get sued unnecessarily if they can work with people in finding a plan for them that will work. Coming up, we're a long way from the Pac-Man some of us grew up on. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by the Iowa Family Business Center by UNI. Sponsors of an event in Boone on August 19th called Tour, Lunch, and Connect with the Fairway Family. Learn more by going to AdvanceIowa.com. Support for the Iowa Business Report also comes from the Iowa Soybean Association, driven to deliver for you and your farm. Join their growing family of more than 12,000 farmer members now during Soybean Month. Activate your farmer membership today at IASoybeans.com, powered by the Soybean Checkoff. In our business profile segment this week, we'll introduce you to Daniel Ralston, owner and CEO of Des Moines Gaming Club. He found a way to take his passion for gaming and make it a going business concern. I've been working on the idea of Des Moines Gaming Club for, oh, probably five years. The Des Moines Gaming Club is a gaming center. So we have 10 gaming PCs, and we have six new generation consoles. So that's two new PS5s, PlayStation 5s, two new Xboxes, and two Nintendo Switches. At the very base of it, you can come in and play on those systems casually by the hour. We also do tournaments uh, nearly every day that we're open. So we focus on the competitive crowd as well. And we also offer memberships. So if people want to get discounts for the casual play, if they want to enter tournaments for free, want to get a t-shirt, a pin, uh, some free uh, virtual reality at our partner business, Res Blue Arena, um, you can do all that with the membership. So try to cover the whole range of casual and competitive. So I suppose if I was someone who did not do this a lot, 
but I wanted to have the experience. That's where I can just come in by the hour. I don't have to invest in the equipment. I don't have to worry about having exactly. a, a up-to-date setup. I can just come in and enjoy it much as I would enjoy any other thing like a movie in a theater. Yeah, that's a great point. That's something that we that we focus on. So back to your question about our customer base, we have two main customer bases, and that's the hardcore gamer competitive crowd who they have all this stuff at home, but they want to compete at a high level in the games that they like. And so they'll come in and play a tournament or come in with their buddies and practice or stuff like that. But our other customer base is probably a little bit younger, maybe in that 13 to 17 range, who maybe doesn't have a gaming PC at home or doesn't have the new PlayStation 5, which is still very hard to get to this day. So exactly, you can come in and try that stuff out for much cheaper than it would be to buy it and, and get a feel for what you like. A lot of people are always considering the switch from console to PC. So consoles are cheaper and more affordable and it's easier to use, but PCs, when you go higher end with them, can, can just do more. The, the graphics are better, they run faster. And so people are, usually interested in trying out a console compared to a PC, and, and that can help inform them on a decision to maybe buy in the future. Some of us of a certain age, who may have grown up, say, in the 70s into the 80s, every mall had an arcade. And when some of us were young, they were all pinball machines. That's all that you could get. And then, as time moved on, we may have had our little Atari system at home, and then we'd go and play Frogger or Galaga or some of these other ones, at an arcade in a mall. My sense is that those sort of fell away as more of this went to the home-based market. You're really, if I understand it correctly, revitalizing what some of us grew up with with contemporary games. In other words, I grew up with pinball machines. You're hosting people who have a much more electronic focus, but the concept is very familiar. That's a great point. That's a absolutely right on point. Yeah, that's something that, that was a big crux of my business plan question was, you know, everyone has this at home. What's the draw of going and using the same equipment at the place? Like I said, there are some people who don't have a gaming PC and stuff, so they'll want to come try it out. But a lot of people do have consoles or, or play video games at home with their friends. What, what's going to make them come out of their comfort zone to go to a land center and play video games in person. And, and that's where we focus on the community aspect. We've heard a lot already from being open. People like a, a gaming-focused place that's uh, not a bar. Uh, so it, it's a there's just not many of those type of places out there. So that, that's something that people like, the community aspect, meeting like-minded people. And then the competitive aspect is important too. So for anyone who's interested in esports especially here in central Iowa, you have to drive at least three hours, if not more, maybe even go to the West Coast or Texas to compete in big time events. We want to focus on being that local place that gamers can go and, and play in weekly competitions and, and monthly competitions, things like that. So you've worked for years to come up with a business plan and you rent your space, you get your equipment. Am I right? Within literally a month, the COVID shutdown hit. That is so crucial to get off to a good start with a new business, you had a global pandemic against you. How did you make yep. this work? Yeah. And what led you to still be able to have a grand opening this summer? Yeah, well, it definitely uh, made us change and, and adapt and evaluate what we were doing. So thankfully, we hadn't opened. We hadn't opened yet. We had been setting up. We got all of our equipment in there and, and we're gearing up. We were maybe two weeks away from opening. 
when we thought, you know what, the pandemic is going on, we just better delay our opening. Like I've been telling people, at least we hadn't been open and we're relying on that, uh, you know, consistent customer base to come in. We still had some money saved up so we could write it out a bit. But the thing we did was we, we changed to online. So that's the great thing about video games is you can play them online. Obviously, our focus is to be in person, but obviously video games are played online all the time, all around the world. So we just started hosting tournaments and events online, and we continued to grow our community that way. It worked out well. Finally, when we opened for our grand opening, people had kind of either participate in some of the online events or have heard about us or maybe watched some of our online events that we streamed. Uh, and so they kind of knew about us and we had a fair amount of people that had kind of already seen what we were doing online and then came and finally checked it out in person when we opened. Finally then, what's the future? How do you yeah. see this industry in five years, in 10 years? The industry is growing rapidly. Esports is a massive industry. Obviously, video games themselves are big. Like I said, it's something like 70% of people in the age range of 15 to 35 play video games to some degree. And so video games are everywhere. The competitive side of it is growing too. And like I said, we want to focus on that too, the competition aspect. The industry is certainly growing. The future of Des Moines Gaming Club is, is to just grow, get more gaming PCs, get more consoles, have bigger tournaments. We want to bring esports to Des Moines in any way we can. Because like I said, in central Iowa, we're kind of behind the West Coast and Texas. And the United States as a whole is actually behind Asia, for example, in esports. So just want to make it more accessible to folks. Bringing esports to everywhere that we can, especially in the rural areas, is a goal of mine. And I think that's something that could be done in the future. Daniel Ralston, owner and CEO of Des Moines Gaming Club, Iowa's premier esports venue online at dsmgamingclub.com and on Twitter at dsmgamingclub. We spoke via Zoom on Thursday, August 5th. Their business has been located at Southridge Mall in Des Moines, but within a few weeks they'll be moving to a new location in downtown Des Moines. By the way, a downtown Des Moines location was part of that business plan Dan Ralston drew up some years ago. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.